Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On November 11th, join us for Benzinga's 7th Annual FinTech Awards. It's going to be a day full of networking, deal-making, and recognition of incredible achievements that you won't want to miss. GM Zingers, my name is Logan Ross, and I'd like to welcome you to Flight 62 on the Moon or Bust Rocket Ship, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. Let's get right into it. Don't miss your free chance to tune into Benzinga's very own bootcamp series on November 20th. If you're looking to dive into new concepts and grow your account, this one's for you. Joining me today is number one Dex trader, Ryan15 McNamara. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you, Logan? I'm doing pretty well. Markets are a little bit slower uh, than I might have hoped for, but you know, I, I can have some patience. I can wait. Uh, what are we doing on today's show? Oh, we got a lot going on to, on today's show. We'll start with a market update. Look at Squid Game rug pulled as of today, and we have two interviews coming up, so stay tuned for those. We have one with Andy Blood, who made an NFT book with publishing rights, and then we'll be talking to Caleb Sheridan of Eden Network. So two really good interviews. Stay tuned for those. That sounds awesome, Ryan. Now, before we can get into it, I need everyone out there to drop a comment. Uh, you could see them on the screen. We got some new production setups going on today. So drop a comment letting us know what crypto projects you're looking at this week. And if we get time, we will take a look at them and give you our takes. Also, while you're down there, if you're new, make sure to subscribe to the channel. And if you're here for crypto content, check out the Benzinga Crypto separate YouTube channel, the top link in the description below. Starting this week, we're doing Moon or Bust only on Mondays and Fridays. No more Wednesday shows. So we have time to start developing the Benzinga Crypto YouTube channel and do some new shows. We're working on some on-chain analytics shows. Uh, but I'm actually very excited for this change. What do you think, Ryan? I'm excited too. I want to release that first Glassnode video we did last week. We need to get those edits done and post that up on Benzinga Crypto. Yeah, most definitely. You guys should definitely keep your eyes peeled for that one. So subscribe to the crypto channel, top link in the description if you're not already. Also, uh, we have a Telegram chat where you can come and talk to the rest of the Moon or Bust community. Uh, and you can also get a 25% off discount code on the merch. See that right here? You want to rep your ETH? Get the girls, you get 25% off if you join the Telegram. As always, make sure to connect with both of us on Twitter. Boom, right there. Uh, and hit us up. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but let's get right into it, Ryan. So let, let's get started with this market update. Let me figure out how to share my screen real quick. Will you give us a, a brief overview uh, while I'm figuring it out? Yeah, I mean, the majors have not been really moving too much. We see Bitcoin right around sixty to $61,000. We see ETH right around forty-three dollars to $4,400. ETH is actually looking a little bit more bullish right now than Bitcoin. We saw a recent all-time high on ETH just yesterday, right around $4,400. But really what everybody's looking at right now is the dog coins. We have Shiba Inu up like 200% this week. We have a bunch of other Shiba Inu type tokens, Floki Inu, Saitama Inu, uh, man, there's too many to even remember at this point, but that's where all the mania is at right now with the dog coins. Uh, so yeah, I mean, once Logan has the screen up here, we should be able to look at trading view or coin market cap. Did you get either of those pulled up yet, Logan? Are we still fangling around with this? Boom. Oh, there we go. Right there. There it is. We got coin market cap. We can take a big overview. Uh, so there's a couple of things that I've been looking at lately. One is after the Facebook name change to Meta. Uh, all the metaverse tokens are going absolutely nuts. So one of them that I have been holding on to for a long time uh, and just popped out of nowhere is Decentraland. Uh, the, the ticker is M-A-N-A. -A. You can see over the past seven days, it's up 275%. That's a nice little gain right there. Those are the types of gains you see in a bull market, and that's just extremely impressive. I actually wasn't paying attention to Decentraland at all, but I completely understand why it's up so much right now with all the hype around the metaverse. That'll get me out of bed in the morning, let me tell you. Uh, we also saw some other metaverse tokens popping off, such as the Sandbox tokens up 150% on the seven-day 
And then also one that Ryan has been talking to us about nonstop, Engine Coin is up a modest, oh, not even on the top 100. Engine Coin is up pretty big. Uh, let me pull it up real quick. And here we see, here we almost see, here we see the loading sign. And here we see the seven day chart. Boom. Okay. So last week it was trading at a buck 80 and it maxed out at one or three dollars and like 40 cents up here. Ryan, are you holding on to any engine right now? I'm actually not holding on to any engine right now. I wish I was. I would have seen about 100% gains, but currently not in my portfolio. Very interesting. Yeah, I know you're very bullish on this one. Uh, it's just one of the the blue chips of, of DeFi gaming and blockchain gaming in general. But let's turn to the chat and see what they are looking at. We got one uh, mention for Loop Ring, and maybe I'll pull that one up real quick. I do have some Loop Ring in my portfolio, uh, and I was pleasantly surprised to see it pop a, a modest eighty percent this morning. Oh wow, that's crazy. We've seen so many layer two solutions go up in value so much over these past few weeks. It's not only loopering, but we saw Matic go right around two dollars from about a dollar, just over a dollar. So it's not just loopering. Logan, why do you think it is that these layer two solutions are doing so well right now? If I had to guess, I think that the more people that get into Ethereum uh, and also the surge in gas fees as of late is probably pushing people to layer twos and other scaling solutions because it's really not affordable to interact with DeFi on the mainnet anymore. So if I had to guess, this is probably what's pushing it. And also, I wouldn't be surprised if they announced some partnerships or something big like that uh, to cause a, a spike this severe. It's probably necessary. But um, I don't know, maybe I should close my position, try to make a trade on it. But really, I don't I don't care that much. I could just let it ride. I think long term, I'm still bullish on the price of Loopring. Let's see what else do we have here in the chat. We got someone talking about Australian safe shepherd coin. Oh boy, just when I thought that they were out of names for dog coins. Australian. I don't know anything. I eat crayons. <laughs> STBC is going to make it in the crypto game for sure. If you eat crayons, your portfolio is probably outperforming everybody else's right now. It's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, ticker, ass. That's nice. Uh, market cap of $61 million. Um, and that's really about it. I don't know. It's kind you know, of I've seen to... this coin before, and I think we actually even have an article on it. I'm surprised that the market cap is so small because I don't think I would have heard about it if it was that small. But I guess not, apparently. I'm wrong here, but yeah, it's still $61 million market cap. Definitely room to grow, uh, especially with all these meme coins popping off right now. Has it followed the other dog coins, Logan? Has it gone up these past few weeks? Just slam it. Um, yeah, so here's the one week chart on, or the one month chart on it. It okay. has taken off with all the other dog coins, uh, not too surprisingly, but I'm not really sure what differ differentiates this meme from the other memes other than Ass ticker, yeah. That's all you need. Ass finance. Shit, man. I might have to buy some of this. <laughs> you know, in a bull run, the technology doesn't matter as much as the meme, okay? It just despite being a really bad fundamental meme or like a, a blockchain meme or technological meme, some people just like dog memes. And you know, if you could predict the next good dog meme, you could maybe make a lot of money. All right, that's enough of that for today. Let's see what else is going on. I think we should probably pull up the real coins. Bitcoin, market leader. Here we have the daily candles uh, since February of this year. And we see it's been kind of range bound lately between the all-time high and this resistance level uh, around 59K. Uh, so, you know, we came, we set that new all-time high, which is very bullish, corrected a little bit. We're building some support. I'm still remaining very bullish even if we had a, a quick little drop back below uh, this support line at 59K again, wouldn't surprise me too much. I would still remain very, very bullish uh, over the next month or two. Ryan, what do you think? 
Yeah, I agree with you. I'm very bullish over this next quarter, as you guys know, if you've been watching the show. And I think all this mania around the dog coins is really going to push the market forward. There's a lot of FOMO right now. I think that's a bullish signal, not only for all of these meme coins, but for Bitcoin and Ethereum as well. I'm hoping to see a $70,000 Bitcoin this month. And I think that's that's a pretty likely scenario. What do you think, Logan? Can we see 70,000 this month? 70,000 this month. I think that might be in the cards, Ryan. I think that's a pretty pretty modest target. We could definitely see 70,000 this month. And uh, do you have an end of year target? I also want to, I want to pass this one out to the chat as well. Let us know what you think for your end of year Bitcoin target. Uh, and we'll pull up the ones we think are the best and the worst. Uh, but Ryan, what's your end of year target? Yeah, I mean, we only have two months left, so I think $100,000 is a little bit too bullish at this point. Um, but we have seen jumps up 50 to 100% in the matter of months before, so I, I think it is possible. Uh, but my target is around eighty dollars to $85,000. Not too shabby, yours? I like that. Uh, so end of year, I think eighty would be a good number. Um, and somewhere around there, plus or minus maybe five thousand uh, dollars. I think that'd be good. We don't want to. We don't want to do too much. We don't want to end the market cycle early. We want to carry it out because time is on our side. The longer we wait to top it out, the higher that top will be, uh, according to math. This episode is sponsored by Math. Okay, here we have ETH. Uh, let's see if there's any. We got Bitcoin one thirty end of year price target from Sheeny in the chat. Fifteen k on ETH. Uh, you know, I think market cycle tops. These might not be bad guesses, but I don't think that's going to happen this year. I think that these prices, fifteen k ETH and one hundred thirty k Bitcoin, aren't really possible until you know February, March, April of twenty twenty two. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, I would say it's more likely, but obviously it's really hard to speculate on prices. And if we do see a mania in these next couple of months, it is possible to go into the six-figure range on Bitcoin. And I think once Bitcoin breaks $100,000, we will see Ethereum at at least 10. 15,000, I think, is really bullish, but I still think it's possible, like you said, Logan, more likely to be in the spring of 2022 than it will be you know, in the coming two months here. Yep. Good calls from STBC and uh, Igor says zero dollars. I think this is the SHIB price target here. Rounded to the nearest cent, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, so here we see one hour candles on Ethereum. I like to be a little bit more zoomed in on ETH just because I, I have more, way more stake in it. Um, but yeah, so over the past you know three weeks here, we've seen holding, uh, we've seen a, like a, a gradual uptrend following this line it's bounced off of it many times we fell back below here uh but then ended up holding this line as support which was you know we had resistance for our you know support here for, for quite a long time um and so we did bounce off of that luckily made it back over and we fell back through so at this point we're kind of in this this mini downtrend mind you it's only been like a week long um, but I think sentiment is still pretty bullish overall. And I think that, you know, it's going to be uh, a couple of days to a couple of weeks before we see true price discovery. But I think it could happen pretty quickly here. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good take. We don't have too much more time here before we have to get into the first interview. Do you want to cover Squid Game really quickly before we get into that? Let's do it. Squid, 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 squid game, so we, we baby. We saw this token come up like a few days ago. Super, super sus. It was going straight up. And I remember it was like $10 and it went from like $0.02 cents to $10 without a single dip. There was absolutely no dip whatsoever. So I'm like, why, why is this the case? Are people just not able to sell the token? Why can't it go down? And it ended up going up to $2,800 before it got rug pulled this morning. So this token was a complete scam. People were able to buy it, but they weren't able to sell it. So the price was only able to go up. It looked like a pretty cool project if it wasn't a scam, but it was pretty apparent that it was even before they rug pulled. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually had a writer write an article on this just a couple days ago, and they noted how the developers were just really impressive people from like the University of Michigan, where Logan and I both go. So I went on the website, looked him up, and I'm like, you know, maybe I know this guy. Uh, let me see who he is. And I, I looked him up. It said he had eight plus years of experience at Amazon, uh, UMich grad. And I looked him up, no footprint of him online whatsoever. 
which I thought was really sus. So then I looked up the rest of the team. None of them had any footprint online. So at that point, you know, I knew it was a rug pull. They wouldn't do that otherwise. And the very next day we see it crash down to less than a penny now from $2,800. Yes, it does look like we're finding support around the zero cents range. Uh, but yeah, right. That you make a great point. It took you all of what three, three, four, five minutes to look up each of those developers that were listed on the site, realize that they weren't real people, uh, and realize that this project was a scam. Now, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars invested by other people who didn't do this uh, have now disappeared. So, good reminder to always do your due diligence and make sure to double check when developers are listed on the websites. Did any of you guys out there in the chat invest in Squid Game or know anyone that invested in Squid Game? If you if you do did know someone, you better check on them today. You got to see how they're doing. Hopefully, they didn't put too much money in it. Uh, but you yeah, okay, friend. <laughs> All right, what time is it? It is like four eighteen or two two eighteen. Uh, we have a couple more minutes. I think we're supposed to have our first guest on around 4.15, um, but he is not here yet. So we will just look at some more coins, drop them in the chat. Uh, we got a little bit of time to kill. Ryan, I've been feeling like Chainlink is super undervalued lately. Yeah, I think a lot of the bucks. DeFi tokens are pretty undervalued at this point. I think all the altcoins getting attention are dog-themed coins. So these altcoins haven't really been going up with the market we, usually we see them follow Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, maybe a few weeks to a few months after they put in new all-time highs. So I think it's still mm -hmm. to be expected at this point. And I think there will be a big run-up in a lot of these coins in the coming months. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Okay, so we got Igor in the chat asking for Link or Uniswap. Uh, we just took a, link at, uh, a look at Link. Wow, that's hard to say. Uh, and Uniswap is basically following the same thing pretty undervalued as well as the rest of the DeFi tokens. So uh, we took a look at Mana a little bit earlier, so you can rewind to see that. Um, but maybe we could take a look at what Cardano's been doing lately. Uh, spoiler alert, not too much. Down 10% on the seven day. What? Do you hear that? No, I do not. You're hearing things. Okay, there's something else. Oh my God! Coin Market Cap just started playing like a little video. Oh yeah, this right here, it spooked me. Wow, Facebook's already advertising on Coin Market Cap. Are they really? Oh dang. Facebook Maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, well, so let's see. We got well. Let's take a look at Cardano. Cardano ticker ADA ticker ADA is down ten percent on the seven day down. Barely uh, anything at all today, but let's zoom out to the year to date. Uh, Cardano usually doesn't follow the rest of the market. It kind of does its own thing. We saw that it hit its $2.41 uh, mid-year peak uh, about two months after Bitcoin hit its peak, right? Uh, and then we saw the run-up, and Cardano has basically just been chilling out since then. It kind of led the way. Uh it was one of the first to hit a new all-time high, but since then hasn't done much. Uh, I'll still be holding on to my Cardano for the time being. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot more people getting into it, and there will be a lot of upside, but it's not my favorite project from a fundamental perspective. Uh, you know, Charles is a cool guy, but he's more of a, you know, like, a, what, what's it called? He's more of a, a motivational nerd. speaker than, you know, a, a hands-dirty developer. Um, but you know who is the hands dirty developer? The creator of the Ethereum virtual machine and Ethereum's programming language, Solidity, uh, Gavin Wood. So Gavin left the project to create Polkadot and Polkadot is up a nice 15% today. This is one I've been calling out for a while now. Uh, this is one of the biggest and strongest teams, some of the biggest ecosystem uh, applications in the blockchain space. And we see it is reaching for that all-time high and it is pretty damn close maybe it maybe it did it today it's kind of hard to tell exactly uh looks like 48 was the highest daily close and right now we're sitting just a little bit above that so maybe all-time high today for polka dot 
Um, and I'm looking to see this continue. I think people have been sleeping on Paul Goddard for too long. It is what everyone thinks Cardano really is. Uh, and I think that, you know, people are eventually going to realize, you know, in the next two, three, four months here, and Cardano will eat the market share of Cardano. What's Polkadot's market cap at right now? Polkadot's market cap is at $47 billion right now compared to Cardano's market cap of $64 billion. So they're pretty close. Uh, you know, they are well into the top 10 now. They just flipped Shiba Inu. Pretty huge accomplishment <laughs> right there. Yeah, at $47 billion, I don't think Polkadot is one of those 10Xers for the rest of the bull market. I think the market cap on these top 10 cryptocurrencies is probably too high to get a 10-bagger at this point. But maybe once you go down to around $5 billion or less in market cap, I think that's where the potential for that 10X gain comes into play. And speaking of those types of coins, maybe we can look at SushiSwap pretty quick. I know it's up today pretty good, maybe around 8 to 9%. Uh, but maybe we're looking at uh, Moon River instead. Real, real quick, I just want to take a look at, at Moon River. Uh, this is a bridge between Ethereum and Polkadot. It's Ethereum compatible, and it will be the home of huge, huge cross-chain uh, you know, swaps and liquidity for the Ethereum Polkadot bridge in the future. This is a certified blue chip, super undervalued. I think it just got listed on Coinbase uh, a couple of weeks ago. No. Uh, I think it's wrapped Moon River, maybe that's listed on Coinbase, but I think you can get exposure to this on Coinbase these days. So uh, we'll look for this one to take off. I think it deserves a spot in the top 50. Right now it's outside the top 100. So good call out there, Noah. I totally agree with you. Um, Russell Ryan, sorry, what was that one you wanted to look up? Sushi Swap, yet again. Sushi, sushi's been ripping, bro. It has. Up 16% to $12.50. I didn't even realize it went that high. I thought we were sitting around $11.50. So I am a happy man to see that. I definitely have a bag of sushi that I'm going to be holding throughout this bull market. My price target is $80 to $100. So I'm very bullish. I hope that can come and happen, but we will see what happens here. Shoyu is releasing soon, Logan. What do you think about that? I think Shoyu is going to be hype. It's going to be a huge hub for a bunch of NFT exchange. And hopefully they'll take lots of coins. It will just allow a lot of new money to flow through the NFT space. Uh, and speaking of the NFT space, we got NFT NYC going on this week. Kind of feeling the FOMO, kind of wishing I was there. Um, but, you know, may maybe next year. You know, it's pretty interesting, too. I was looking at Eden Network, which we have an interview with coming up here in about 10 minutes. But SushiSwap actually has a slot on Eden's network. So you can whenever anybody uses SushiSwap, they're actually using Eden Network so they don't get front run and they can trade a lot smoother. So I thought that was really cool. And I need to see whether or not Shoyu is going to be automatically implemented in that because then, you know, people wouldn't be able to be front run for NFT drops, which I think would be super valuable. Very interesting. All right. We have a couple uh, call outs in the chat for Satima Inu. So maybe we should take a look at it. I know I said we were done with dog coins, but hey, we do the show for you guys. So we might as well take a look at the coins you guys are looking at. Uh, S A I Satima Inu. Okay, Ryan, how does this meme stack up to the other dog memes? Well, this one's only worth $3.4 billion, so obviously there's a ton of room to grow with Saitama Inu at such a small market capitalization. Uh, I, I don't really know if we want to get into the fundamentals of these. I mean, I, I think we both agree that the fundamentals of all these dog coins are pretty poor, and they really are driven by hype. Uh, of course, that's not to say you can't make money on them. A ton of people have made money on them. Just make sure you're realizing some of those profits on the way up. You don't want to be holding that bag to the peak and then hold it all the way to the ground because a lot of these coins probably won't be lasting through a bear market, especially a multi-year bear market where the interest mm -hmm. is just not on cryptocurrency. So, you know, through a bear market, you're going to want to accumulate Ethereum and Bitcoin and those major cryptocurrencies you know are here to stay. Not really Saitama Inu. It's kind of up in the air whether this is something that's uh, you know going to find its place in the long run. If I had to guess, I would say it's not going to. Mm -hmm. uh, but Logan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I tend to stay away from these dog coins for the most part. Uh, it's completely a gamble. If that's what you're looking for, then you know, feel free. Do, do your due diligence first, of course. 
Um, but yeah, four four billion dollar market cap, eight billion when it's fully diluted. Uh, that is just a lot of money for a like E tier dog meme. Uh, so I personally would not touch this one with a thirty foot pole. Uh, but hey, if you want to, if that's your thing, looking for the high risk, the gambles, then you know, go for it. What about Dojo on Mars? That's one of my favorite dog coins. Okay. Why is it your favorite dog coin, Ryan? Uh, I think it has a really cool name, and there's a lot of people that like to read this article on Benzinga, and it's on Ethereum instead of Binance Smart Chain. So I think those are three really good points that make this coin worth about a billion dollars. I don't know if it has any other value other than that, but you know, it has it has a fun name. The ticker is Elon. And we know Elon likes to pump the markets. So, I mean, everything is working in Dogelon Mars' favor at this point. They want to be the first interplanetary currency. Isn't that a goal, Logan? Oh, man, that is the goal. Uh, it's all about that that interplanetary future, man. And you know that those U.S. dollars aren't going to work on Mars. The aliens just don't take them. Uh, you know, they, they are still reminiscing the Obama days and they're not okay with what's been going on since then. So this is why we need Dojal on Mars. Uh, this is commonly accepted by all Martian species. Uh, and that's why it's such a great investment. Totally joking here. This is not probably not a good, good investment. But hey, I mean, people, people have been reading it like crazy on our site. So could be a bullish indicator of more traffic to come. Uh, but where can you get this coin right now on Uniswap? Yeah, you're going to have to go to a decentralized exchange if you want Dogel on Mars, just like most other dog coins at this point. You know, if there's a lot of demand, then a centralized exchange will list it. But really, we've only seen that with Shiba Inu and Dogecoin at this point. Yep. Uh, okay, so I saw someone else join the, the backstage stream, uh, but they don't have their camera on or they haven't changed their name. Uh, so I'm not really sure if it's just a bug or if it's one of our guests. Uh, but if you're hearing me, you could should take take a look at that. Uh, okay, so let's talk about XRP for a second. Uh, I heard a rumor from Coin Bureau this morning that uh, XRP is coming to Ethereum. There will be wrapped XRP. Uh, and this is something that, that Coinbase could potentially list. Okay, so there's this loophole in, in the security definition right now. Uh, that you know, we'll see if if it really works or not. If Coinbase lists wrapped XRP, you know, in the next week or two here, uh, then it could be insanely, insanely bullish. Um, so, Ryan, what do you want to fill us in on what's been going on with XRP since you know maybe a couple of years ago? Yeah, so XRP has been in a really long lawsuit with the SEC. They're saying essentially that they sold the security without registering it as a security. So they've been in a lot of trouble lately. There should be a settlement coming out soon, but I haven't heard any word on that just yet. But wrapped XRP, I mean, I, I think that will be bullish not only for Ripple, but for Ethereum, because now we're seeing not only is Bitcoin on Ethereum and in big numbers, multi-billion dollars worth of Bitcoin is on Ethereum. But now we'll see the same thing happen with Ripple. And I, I think Ethereum could be the hub for all these cryptocurrencies and DeFi. Uh, I think XRP is actually building smart contracts as well, but it's interesting that they will be going over to Ethereum. We'll see what has more adoption, you know, wrapped XRP on Ethereum or XRP's network with smart contracts implemented. I think it'll be interesting. And I think that more people will actually be using it on Ethereum despite the high gas fees because of all the different applications. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Uh, so Angelo in the chat wants to know about Polygon. Let me just pull it up real quick and we could take a look. So Polygon is another scaling solution for Ethereum. This one is a side chain of Ethereum, which means it has its own consensus mechanism. Okay, It doesn't inherit the security from the Ethereum mainnet, uh, but there's still, you know, it has its own security. You can stake Polygon to secure the network. Uh, and it's been doing pretty well lately. Uh, you know, it jumped back up to above $2. It is slightly below that now, but I think Maybe market cycle. I, ha I haven't really put too much thought into a market cycle uh, peak for Polygon, but I don't think t $10 is necessarily out of the picture. Maybe 8 to $10. Bucks. Um, I'm certainly very bullish on the future of Polygon. They have huge, uh, you know, huge deals with a bunch of applications. They've been really grinding out um, the, the partnerships, so we should see them continue to rise and succeed. 
At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. You want to see this new feature we got here, Ryan? Yeah, let's see it. We have so okay, many ready? features. Yeah, ready, ahead. ready, ready. Can you hear it? Mm-hmm. Yo. Let us know in the chat if you're messing with these new vibes. Maybe I could turn it down a little bit. Okay, cool. Then now we got background music. This is the future right here. Shout out producer Rohan for hooking us up with this new setup. Hopefully the guests can figure out how to use it as well. Um, I'm keeping an eye on my inbox to see if they have any troubles getting on. Uh, but yeah, right now, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are doing Moon or Bust, where we take your coins from the chat, pull them up, give you our take on them, and, and you know, give them a kind of a Moon or a Bust rating. Uh, if you're new around here, make sure you subscribe to the Benzinga channel. If you're here for crypto content, check out the Benzinga crypto YouTube channel, top link in the description below, right next to that like button that you should definitely uh, smash. Um, but yeah, uh, okay, so we just took a look at Polygon. We're pretty bullish on Polygon. I think eight to ten dollar price target uh, for the end of the year, and we are looking for some more coins in the chat. So drop them below. We could take a look. Noah Posner wants to look at ILV. He's come with some pretty good, uh, pre some pretty good calls so far. So we will definitely take a second to look at it. It's called Illuvium. I think I'm saying that correctly. It's Ethereum based, and it's trading at a thousand dollars per coin right now with a max supply of 10 million coins. There are less of these than there are Bitcoins. So let's take a look at the year to date. Quite, quite bullish. It looks like it's only been on CoinMarketCap since March, uh, the very end of March. So relatively new listing. Ryan, do you know anything about this project? No, I've never heard of it, but that's interesting that only 6% of the supply is currently circulating because that means that there's only about 600,000 tokens in circulation right now. So a very scarce coin. Even at 10 million, it's still half as scarce as Bitcoin. Uh, but yeah, I haven't heard of the use cases, what it would be used for. So yeah, let's look into it. It's interesting. Okay, so according to CoinMarketCap, it's an open world fantasy battle game built on the Ethereum blockchain. Ryan, I know you're bullish on blockchain gaming in general. Uh, so you think that this coin would probably just catch some of that hype along the way? Yeah, I think that it will probably catch some of that hype along the way. And then also, if the game really picks up steam and users come to it and then people start hearing about it, then it could really blow up. So I, I think it's a win-win here. If it's just DeFi gaming that blows up, it should follow. And if it's actually that game that blows up, then I would think that the token would as well. I see what you did there, Ryan. If if this game picks up steam, huh. <laughs> ha ha ha, you're on fire today, man. Uh, oh, we just lost all of our viewers. Shit. <laughs> Dang it. Okay, so here's a look at the top gaming tokens by market capitalization. Uh, let us know in the chat if you guys are interested in these gaming tokens. If you're holding any of them, which ones are you taking a look at? And while you're down there, make sure to game the like button. Uh, so we have, let's, let's just take a look here. We got Axie Infinity, still number one. Uh, you think this is ever going to change? You think Axie has, has the, the staying power? No, I don't think so. I think Decentraland could definitely flip Axie Infinity. Just the narrative behind Decentraland, I think, could make it flip Axie Infinity. Uh, I think Axie is one of those things we saw really blow up because the game blew up. Uh, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to keep all of the gamers on the platform. I personally don't think it's that entertaining of a game. And you really have to invest a lot of money if you actually want to be competitive and play it the way it's supposed to. Otherwise, you're really just farming the tokens on there. And, and as people farm the tokens, uh, like there will be more sell pressure. And then those tokens will go down and then it will become less profitable. Um, so I think that, you know, Decentraland, Engine, the Sandbox, those could have a lot more growth potential than Axie Infinity just being one single game on, on the network. Yeah, definitely. And, and what we're looking for also is where these games exist. Do they exist on the Ethereum mainnet and suffer through the high gas fees? Do they use a sidechain, a layer two? Are they on Solana? Or do they implement a priority network such as Eden? So if you guys haven't heard of Eden, it's a priority network for Ethereum. 
uh, that how do I stop my screen? Okay, there we go. Uh, Eden's a priority network for Ethereum that allows you to be fr uh, first in line and, and get specific priority for your Ethereum transactions. And from Eden Network, today joining us is Caleb. Caleb, welcome to Moon or Bust. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, really glad to have you. So, Caleb, could you give us a little bit of background uh, on your journey through the crypto space and Eden Network? Yeah, no problem. Uh, my journey through the crypto space started um, listening to Vitalik talk about Uniswap, actually. He said it was a new project just forming. People should kind of pay attention to it. Uh, and I've been tracking Uniswap since it had 1 million TVL uh, and really negligible trading volume and kind of watching hmm. it. And uh, our team at the time was doing uh, blockchain data analysis. And that was one of the first projects that really kind of caught our attention and caught our eye. Uh, and when, when we've been looking at Uniswap over the years, and what we've seen is that there's been a number of like strategies for trading, right? And originally it was just kind of like, well, you can do arbitrage between maybe Uniswap and Bancor at the time, or IDEX and Uniswap at the time. Uh, but kind of what opened up over the years was, uh, you know, completely different strategies from LPing uh, and even to being a very proactive trader where, you know, you looked at trades coming in through the mempool uh, and traded against them uh, in order to kind of, you know, earn money. Right. So, so our team uh, originally uh, was watching Uniswap and at some point the volumes got to a point where we couldn't ignore the arbitrage opportunities on Uniswap. Uh, and so we kind of built an arbitrage bot, but something different than many teams that go into building arbitrage bots, we looked at it from the standpoint of if we build this bot, you know, how future proof is it? The way that we ultimately built it uh, was to interface directly with miners. And the reason that we chose miners as kind of a partner in, in our work that we were building and in our product that we were building uh, is because at the end of the day, miners choose the the order of the transactions uh, in a given block. And so if you're not, if you don't have a really good, um, you know, relationship with miners, they can kind of just steal all of your transactions and all of your arbitrage. Uh, and this kind of concept is called minor extractable value. And, and this kind of shaped and defined a lot of how we uh, approach the problem. So a little bit over a year ago, we started posting our first transactions to uh, mainnet with uh, a mining partner and with, uh, you know, five to 10% of the hash rate. Um, and, and essentially the deal that we kind of came up with is that uh, in exchange for going first in the blocks and having our arbitrage go through, uh, we would split some of the revenue and, and just kind of do it this way. So this was before flashbots. This was before, you know, any other kind of solutions. And at the time, the kind of rules of engagement were that you know, we weren't allowed to touch the, the client itself, the thing that was producing the blocks and the majority of revenue for miners. Uh, but this is how we got our kind of cut our teeth uh, in, in transaction priority. And so, um, you know, fast forward a few months, Flashbots came out, which did a couple of things. Number one, uh, you know, it, it, it made it so that miners were very comfortable changing clients. So they, they produced a client called MEV Geth. Uh, which allowed for much more advanced transaction ordering uh, but that much more advanced transaction ordering actually made sandwich attacks on individual traders kind of ubiquitous and uh and it really the proliferation of mev and, and traders being individually targeted uh it has increased quite significantly and so you know today i think the estimates are a few hundred million dollars a year are kind of going in out of traders' uh, pockets and into the pockets of kind of bot operators and, and that sort of thing. So, okay. yeah, go ahead. So, so there's a whole lot to unpack there. Um, I just wanted to take it from a more high level perspective for those who aren't as technical, maybe in our audience. So, basically, what what you guys did uh, was you made deals with with a bunch of the miners to get priority in each block. This way, your transactions would be processed first and reliably. This way, you're able to, uh, you know, more successfully, uh, you know, convert your arbitrage trades, uh, knowing that you wouldn't be front run by anyone else, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So you talked about uh, MEV. We'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, but is Eden still primarily used for arbitrage or are there NFT applications now? Uh, what, what's the biggest use of Eden these days? Yeah, so where the network eventually went and kind of you know passed from, from where we were is that we 
we we looked at kind of the pros and cons of our previous approach. You know, on on our previous approach, we were kind of allowed to order transactions, and it was just kind of a hacky way of making sure that you know we we could go first in blocks. Um, you know, on our we had another approach that we tried, and and our users told us that they really liked it, uh, but it wasn't it still wasn't quite user friendly. And so with the Eden network, we relaunched because we're specifically focused on how do we bring this power of, you know, essentially this power that arbitrage blocks need, but how do we bring it to all traders? How do we make sure and, and negotiate this block space on behalf of traders to give them the best price execution and priority within blocks? Uh, and so that's what the Eden network is today, essentially uh, just by submitting transactions to an RPC, uh, the Eden RPC, uh, and by staking Eden tokens, uh, users can get the power of this transaction, uh, the power of this priority for all of their transactions, wherever they put their transactions. So any transaction on Ethereum can benefit from this. And it's not just about arbitrage or even NFTs or anything like that. Uh, but but what, what ended up happening, right, and, and where we found a lot of product market fit is with NFT minters. And, and with NFTs, you know, there are only so many that are going to be minted each round. And so Eden Network actually helps people and helped a lot of people uh, mint NFTs and guarantee placement within blocks uh, in, during the NFT mints. So if you're at the end of kind of an NFT mint, maybe there's like 20 NFTs left, you know, there's going to be 100 people trying to get the NFT. Uh, the users with Eden token staked would get more of those NFTs, right? Because, you know, out of all the, I don't know, last 100 people, the Eden Eden token holders and Eden stakers would be up at the front of the blocks, uh, and therefore they they could get mint the NFTs uh, first. Hmm, interesting. Uh, so on your website, it says that forty percent uh, participating hash rate. So this means that like forty percent of the Ethereum miners uh, are, are working with Eden Network, correct? That's exactly right. Yeah. Now so is that, Eden decentralized? I feel like this is kind of a like a close number. I mean. Just like seeing how close it is to the majority of the network, it might be kind of alarming to some people. So does this present any vulnerabilities, having this much control over the, the hash rate? That's a great question and something that we take extremely seriously. So at some points, we were above 55%. Uh, and during this moment that we were above 55%, there was actually a, uh, a Geth client you know, security patch. And, and it was uh, really urgent to get the entire network on. And as much of the network kind of carried over. Mm -hmm. So our team really quickly kind of, we built on top of Geth. And so our team built mm -hmm. uh, you know, an emergency uh, release on top of Geth and encourage all of our miners to upgrade and go through the upgrade process. Uh, kind of shortly after we got over 50% running this uh, new patch, um, the exploit that this Geth client was designed to fix uh, was actually um, triggered. And so, you know, we, we kind of had an upgrade happen just in time. But of course, this is kind of the risk of, uh, you know, ha having a single client. Now, all of this said, the kind of current client diversity on Ethereum 1 is more like, you know, we, we have a significant amount of the hash rate on our client, the Eden Geth client. And then another significant amount of the hash rate is on uh, just the normal Geth client, right? And, and it's something uh, something like 80% or more is on, on kind of the normal Geth client or, or a derived version from the normal Geth client. So I think that, you know, most miners today are running this, this Geth client. And so any kind of additional risk of, uh, you, you know, the, on this side is, is uh, not so much greater than what exists already with uh, the, the situation and the proliferation of the Geth client. Interesting. How are uh, one quick question, Ryan, before you go? Um, how are uh, you know the upgrades approved by the Eden Network? Is there you know multiple checks that need to go in place before them? Just to I mean, like all the Ethereum upgrades obviously have to be fully audited. I'm guessing it's the same for Eden. And how do you uh, you know kind of provide a same level of authenticity or, or auditing? As, yeah, as, so as. I think I think that the Ethereum network itself, when an EIP goes through, it's about a one-year process, and so to change the rules of Ethereum takes like I don't know, it, it varies sometimes, but it's, it's a very drawn-out and long process. So you can get a lot of feedback from a lot of stakeholders and stuff. Like mm -hmm. that. On the so that's on the maybe like the rules of the network side. On the you know the client side that has to adhere to the rules of the network, 
that's not as kind of strict a process. And, and so kind of, yeah. And, and, and so it's not to say that like every single, you know, geth pull request or every single geth commit is necessarily like fully audited or anything like that. But typically what happens is that these clients run in testnet environments. Uh, there's a lot of contributors to the clients that are testing them out and making sure that they kind of do what's right in their, their areas of expertise, if you will. Um, and we use a similar process. So our process for kind of minor fixes or any fixes or any updates or anything like that involves running a test suite, running it on testnet, trying out different, uh, uh, trying out different conditions so that uh, we, we make sure to kind of keep our, our, th our, our client safe. Uh, and then also we choose a rollout method where we roll it out kind of little by little through our hash rate. So we don't just turn it all on at once in case anything uh, goes wrong. Uh, so that, so that process has been working. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so Caleb, you mentioned MEV earlier and minor extractable value has been a really hot topic in crypto. Could you explain what exactly minor extractable value is and why it's a problem for the network? Yeah. And um, so we can look at it from a couple of different angles and, and I would question if it's a problem or not, but it's something for users to definitely be aware of and something for everyone in the ecosystem to be aware of. So uh, all over Ethereum are these little buttons where if you press them in the right way or something like that, kind of money spills out. Uh, and, and so they're kind of like, you know, money buttons, if you will, like if you, if you run the right trade, you make free money. Right. If you run an arbitrage trade, you make free money. Or if you liquidate um, a, a, a debt position uh, that's under collateralized, you, you get a reward for it. And so these little free money buttons are kind of like placed at different points in the Ethereum network. They're placed by DAP designers mostly uh, who are designing their DAPs in such a way that uh, they want to incentivize people to, to like liquidate debt or um, up, update price feeds or, you know, whatever the case is. And so what ends up happening is that there's a race to press these buttons and, and some of them are easier, right? Some of them are more complicated. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, the people who should win the race uh, are the miners. And so a lot of this kind of MEV, um, these MEV topics, uh, you, you know, a lot of this MEV kind of discussion says, okay, well, what is, is a good MEV, is a bad MEV? And I would say that there's, there's a scale of MEV where on one hand, keeping debt positions properly collateralized is definitely good for everybody, right? It's good for the, the network. It's, uh, uh, it, it's good, good for the lending network. It's, it's good for the, the other users of the lending network and, and things like that. And so this is like, you know, good, it's useful. It's very useful MEV. On the flip side, you know, we can, then we can go and we can say like, okay, well, arbitrage keeps prices in line, keeps markets kind of uh, fair and moving, generates volume. Like that's pretty, you know, that's, that's doing a good function for the network. Then we have kind of what's been more prolific recently, which is these sandwich attacks. And I would say that these are, uh, a series of trades that are kind of individually picking out accounts to um, attack and force the, the trader to take the most amount of slippage that they're willing to take. And this is a very targeted attack. It's, it's very dark gray, you know, it's within the rules of decentralized exchanges. It's within, within the rules of Ethereum. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's definitely individually targeted. And, and I think that that is a little bit harder uh, to kind of explain, I, I see this as like more or less a hidden tax of DeFi uh, and kind of a uh, just kind of like an unfortunate, uh, you know, position that we're in where, uh, you know, there's there's money to be made by looking at these transactions and, and you know, making the counter trades above and below the transactions uh, in, in order to force the trader to take the max slippage. But that's, you know, it's not a great uh, it's not a great outcome for where we are in DeFi and, and, you know, the, the thing, things could be better, uh, is the way that we see it for sure. So is a solution here then Eden network and, and in doing so, I guess my question here is, uh, what partnerships have you secured so far and can any protocol, can they use Eden or do you need to be partners in order to use it? Any protocol can use Eden. So we have a couple and any user can opt in to use Eden. So this is kind of the important point that 
we wanted to try to make um, the Eden RPC available to any trader just by by kind of any their decision, right? And, and so what traders can do uh, to avoid the, the public mempool, which is where uh, their transactions are, are kind of looked at and actually individually targeted, uh, is they can they can choose to submit their transactions to the Eden RPC. Uh, so the Eden RPC requires a stake of 100 Eden. Uh, and in, in exchange, essentially, users have access to the Eden RPC, which makes their trades uh, private in terms of the mempool. Uh, but it also gives their trades priority in terms of the blocks. So it means better price execution. Uh, and it means if, if the user chooses uh, to have their transaction not broadcast publicly, uh, a little bit of protection against uh, you know, the, the so-called MEV bonds. So there's no bridging that needs to be done, correct? It's only staking. Exactly, yeah. And, and okay. once you stake, then that account is like set up for Ethereum. And anything that you do on Ethereum is set up and, and receives the benefit. And so a lot of users see it as just a free roll. Like, okay, well, you know, if I do this, then my transactions uh, are a little bit more private. Uh, you know, they're, they're a little bit prioritized. And so I should expect to get better price execution uh, over time. And how does a user unstake Eden? Can they do that at any time? Yeah, yeah. So one thing that we've we've chosen with the staking methodology and how how the stakes are applied to getting transaction priority uh, is that you know the stakes are counted on the previous block, and so that means that unlike say transactions that are prioritized according to the gas price on the transaction itself, the rules of how the transactions are prioritized is in the past. It's already happened, and so there's no agency. Uh, for like bots to come in and, and, you know, put their trade above or below by just adjusting their gas price by one GUI or, or something like that, because the staking, the decision of how much the stake would have had to be been made in the past. So that, that's kind of like one advantage of the solution that's kind of come out of how we deal with staking. But yeah, staking can be, you know, uh, unstaking is possible at any time. And in fact, we see people coming in and coming out. Um, uh, to, to get the transaction priority, like when they're, you know, going through a more higher volume trading period. That makes mm -hmm. sense. And does it work in a similar way for the protocols that you're partnered with, or is that a different process? So that's a different, different product. And the product that, you know, we have, we have this kind of stakers product for the individual trader who comes in and, and wants priority and blocks better price execution and stuff like that. But we also have a product for protocols. And so what we see is that some protocols feel that it's very important to uh, give their users options for uh, tr transaction uh, execution and transaction priority. And so what we've done is uh, we've, we've uh, currently, I think the slot owner for slot number three is Bancor. And so Bancor uh, as a network has chosen to, to be a slot owner. And what that means is that any transaction sent directly to the Bancor contract is prioritized. Hmm. Uh, and, and there's a gas limit involved, but you know, essentially traders on Bancor get the benefits of priority without even knowing it. And, and so it makes it like a very, very easy process where you know, bank Bancor traders just use the application in normal terms. Uh, and then they get these benefits of priority and, and these, you know, essentially MEB kind of resistant trades uh, by default. And so that means uh, better price execution and so on. Interesting. You know, is there, is there any like little fee that they're paying uh, just, you know, baked into that, that they just don't know about? Uh, the trader themselves is not right. So the, the slot tenant or the slot owner is, is mm -hmm. renting the slot. And so what it means is that any other protocol can come along, uh, and, and buy that slot and buy access to that slot, um, by outbidding Bancor, uh, and whoever owns the slot or is renting the slot, uh, is burning tokens while they're holding that slot. And so at the moment, the settings are, you know, you, whatever you stake inside of the slot. Uh, burns down over 30 days, uh, and that helps offset the emissions that we pay to miners. Uh, so this, yeah, and and so, but I think that the important part is it's an open auction that anybody or any protocol mm -hmm. can come along and outbid Bancor uh, mm -hmm. in, in case that slot is more valuable. And we've seen a lot of uh, bidding activity within the slots uh, from two very good R bots uh, who currently sit in slot one and slot two. Hmm. 
And Caleb, I saw that Sushi Swap actually has a slot on your network. Do you think that when Shoyu releases their NFT platform, do you think Eden Network is going to be like a competitive advantage for Sushi Swap since uh, you won't be able to front run NFTs as much? Sushi Swap uh, was a slot tenant and uh, and was one of our first slot tenants. So we were very happy that you know these Sushi Swap trades came through. Now they actually got outbid, right? Okay. And, and so uh, an arbitrage block came in and outbid SushiSwap. And, and so SushiSwap is no longer receiving uh, the priority in SushiSwap. Users are no longer receiving the priority. So this isn't to say that SushiSwap or a SushiSwap product you know, doesn't fit in a slot or, or wouldn't be a, a good slot tenant again. Uh, but, but the current state of the network is that they, they were outbid. What are these bids looking like? How much are these protocols offering to have one of these slots? So in the in the case of Bancor, we uh, we made a kind of DAO to DAO deal where uh, Bancor facilitated some liquidity mining on behalf of the Eden token, uh, using their kind of impermanent loss, uh, you know, protection, uh, and, and we we placed some bids for them uh, to put them into the slot and you know hold their slot position as long up up to some undisclosed budget. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Uh, in the case of kind of the arbitrage bots right now, they're they're burning down. I think a combined, uh, I think the first slot is 70k Eden, and the second slot is 30k Eden. Uh, so so that's 100k Eden over the course of a month, uh, you know, burning down. Wow, it's pretty serious. So one question that that comes to mind for me is: Could a competitor to Eden uh, come along and give these miners uh, a better deal than Eden offers them? Uh, and then therefore take some of your hash right away. Could this end up in a bidding war uh, or will you know competitors just decide to partner with you? Are you too big at this point? Um, we definitely have an advantage on in, in the current ecosystem and in the ETH1 ecosystem, we definitely have an advantage. Uh, there's always this, I mean, we've shown how it works, right? You, we've built a token to, to pay miners and kind of offset some of the network growth effects. Now, what happens in the next stages of our network are actually that the transactions that are coming in through our RPC uh, are not really forkable. And so this is the part of our uh, ecosystem that we've, we're building now and that you know our, our initial kind of growth of the hash rate has helped us to build because we have the biggest private RPC uh, out there right now. Uh, and, and so in this stage of the network, kind of those transactions that we can settle through our RPC and we can settle through uh, other means are, are kind of the most uh, important utility for the network from, from the point of view of kind of retaining this, uh, this trading volume and, and, and this transaction flow. Uh, so I think that that type of thing will be very, very difficult to replicate moving ahead, uh, mm -hmm. even if the mechanics of the network itself, you know, even our client code is open source, like even if some parts of the network itself could be copied. Very interesting. So on CoinMarketCap, it says that there's only 5% of Eden is currently circulating. Um, maybe this number is not accurate, but if it is, could you tell us where the other 95% is being allocated? It, it sounds low to me. So I think that we're above 100 million uh, circulating at the moment. Uh, okay. And I think our cap is 250 million over 10 years uh, emission. Yeah. Okay, so about 50% or a little bit closer to 50% is circulating right now. The rest of it uh, is maybe set aside for liquidity mining? Um, it's set aside for kind of network growth. And I think the way that this, and these details are kind of in our white paper. I think the way that this works out is we have some percentage going to miners, some percentage supporting market making on incentivized LP pairs. Uh, and, and some percentage going going to the team. So I think this works out to um, so, so, uh, sorry, I don't have these figures off the top of my head. No, no, it's okay. Um, the the general breakdown is is good enough. We don't need to get too far into the technicals. Um, so last question I have for you is about EIP fifteen fifty nine, the upgrade to Ethereum earlier this year. Uh, do you view the transition as a success and how hopeful are you for the rest of the upgrade to ETH2? Yeah, I, I, I do. And we launched with 1559 really purposely because uh, I believe that kind of, you know, the, 
one of the things that 1559 was kind of trying to do was, uh, you know, make make ETH the the base payment and make sure that no no other currency could be used to to kind of make ETH work. And so when you want to send transactions, you have to have ETH. And I think that that's a very you know I, I think that that's a very good thing for the network. And I think that's a very good thing for Ethereum. Uh, we had discussed this token model of the Eden token. Uh, being a priority token, um, you know, giving giving users some other rights within making transactions. And we were never comfortable releasing the token before 1559. Uh, so on the on the upgrade uh, for 1559 is is when we actually release, uh, and, and our token has a vanity um, vanity string where we have 1559 kind of at the beginning and at the end of uh, at the end of the token address. So, you know, this has been like a very important point where we're all extremely deep in DeFi. Uh, we're all extremely um, uh, kind of loyal to ETH. And, and this is this our team is, uh, you know, ex extremely, um, you know, hopeful that that ETH is kind of the future. And, and we're we're really we're really eager to kind of see ETH get taken to a better place. And part of our. Uh, you know, e ethos is that we don't really like what's going on in DeFi today, and we want to make that experience a little bit better for people. That's awesome. All right, Caleb, thank you so much for your time today. I really enjoyed. I learned a ton. Uh, so we really, really appreciate it. Hope to see you again soon. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Logan, Ryan, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, thank you. All right, everybody out there in the chat, hope you guys enjoyed the interview. I think that was really fascinating, very educational. Uh, and you can go check out Eden Network. We have the link in the description below, and you can figure out how you can get into the front of these Ethereum blocks. So if you guys were just tuning in, you don't really know what we were talking about or what Eden Network is. This is a priority network for Ethereum. So they have deals with a huge amount of the miners to get your transactions prioritized by staking a couple hundred bucks of their token. Um, I'm definitely very, very bullish on this project, especially after talking to Caleb. Uh, it seems like they are in an insane position in their niche in, in the blockchain ecosystem. Ryan, would you, you agree yeah. with me there? Yeah, super cool stuff. And man, 40% of the network, and they had the majority of the network working for them at one point. So yeah, I think that this has so many future applications. Even just for NFT mints, it's extremely valuable. Anybody who's minting NFTs that are worth more than 0.1, 0.2 ETH should be using Eden Network. Exactly, yeah. And so uh, one of our guys at Benzinga, Scott Connors, he is the NFT GOAT at the company. Uh, he he has you know apes, he's got everything, and he just... Uh, let me know that he uses Eden himself for his NFT mints. I can't say I'm surprised. Um, but yeah, if you guys are ju just tuning in, uh, we appreciate you coming by today's show. Unfortunately, we are out of time, uh, but we have more trade ideas coming up for you next on pre-market prep at the close. Uh, so stay tuned. You'll be redirected right away. Uh, we got STBC in the chat says that Biden just tweeted about stable coins. I'm trying to find it real quick to see if I can show you guys, um, but I'm not exactly seeing it. So we will be back on Friday and hopefully we can get an update on that situation and hopefully we'll be doing some price discovery by then. Uh, got anything to add for us today, Ryan? No, I don't. I guess uh, check me out on Twitter as per usual. There you go. You know the drill. There are Twitters right there. Go hit us up, send us a DM, and see what happens. Uh, and we will see you guys on Friday. This has been Mooner Bust, your home for all things altcoins and DeFi. Peace. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring. 
to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.